Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hey, Anna. <laughs> hey. Are you, do you want to read or no? Yeah, I'll do a little reading. Um, sorry, I was just, someone texted me that I can put my computer on do not disturb, like the phone thing, but I don't know how to do that. So I'm just gonna hope oh, no. my friend, Aaron, if you're here, please stop calling me. Um, okay. <laughs> so, um, so Vagabond's about a lawyer named Prue who wants to be a rapper. And in the first chapter, she goes off of her antidepressants. Uh, she meets a promising producer and she begins what I like to think of as a very glamorous downward spiral. Um, so let me read a few pages. Oh yeah, and this is the cover. You guys have probably seen it. Um, the next morning I go on a hike with Jake Perez, my best friend from UC Berkeley. He picks me up in his vintage black BMW, which is by far the sexiest thing about Jake Perez. He inherited it when his dad passed away in college. This was a few weeks after we became friends. I was drawn to how callous Jake was about the whole thing. He referred to his dead dad as a quote unquote, charmless bigot, but felt blessed to inherit the sexy car and enough money to start his own business. I'm not entirely sure what Jake does, something to do with computers. The nice thing is we can both make our own schedules and he gets me out of the apartment during the day. Soon we're ascending the dusty trails of Griffith Park, talking about SSRIs while weaving around packs of tourists. I think it's a terrible idea when I tell him my news about weaning off. My psychiatrist, a medical doctor, I pause for dramatic effect, disagrees. Our friendship mostly revolves around theatrical pauses. Please, says Jake Perez, never trust a psychiatrist. You know the whole field was invented by a cokehead. Well, if not Freud, I ask, who should I trust? Me, he yells, a hawk swoops overhead. But I'm thriving, I say. Are you, he asks. Yes, I say. I have a great girlfriend, my career's about to pop off. Defending criminals, Jake asks as we turn the corner. He has difficulty grasping my job, that I'm a selfless crusader against injustice and all that. My music career, I frown. Oh, says Jake, you're still rapping? He also has trouble comprehending my compulsion to create. He's left-brained. Yes, bitch, I say. Typical Leo rising, he says. Our tendency to want to make sense of a random world by trying to put people into neat astrological boxes is among our primary bonds. We're also obsessed with sociopaths and pretty movies where nothing happens. Our generation is plagued by prolonged adolescence, he pauses. That's not a value judgment, just a fact. Jake loves to qualify obvious value judgments as not value judgments. I know what he's getting at though, that you're supposed to have your rapper phase at like 17. Speaking of prolonged adolescence, I say, do you wanna to come to a concert tonight? 
What show, Jake's at? Jake asks. Hey, can you slow down? I look back and he's hunched over, leaning on his knees, heaving. Jake has trouble keeping up with me, on the trails and in most other ways. I start tapping my foot on the dust as I wait for him to catch up. Dead stars, I say. Never heard of him, Jake says, in between heavy breaths, and now it's my turn to heave. It's Wyatt Walcott, I practically shout. Who, he says? And now I know he's just trying to piss me off, which Jake Perez is very good at doing. In fact, I'd say he's an expert at it. Maybe that's why we're friends. He makes me feel something. Even if it's mostly rage, it's better than the drudgery of daily existence. I slap him on the arm and he yelps. I like that Jake is so much bigger than me. Most people are, so it's totally fine if I hit him. When life gives you a frail frame, weaponize it. That's what I always say. Oh, he says, that reality TV girl, that teenager you worship. She isn't a teenager, I say. She's 24. And Dead Stars is her newish band. You'd like it. Jake's taste in music isn't exactly on trend, but it isn't bad. I mean, we're friends after all. It's not really party music though. More like the type of thing you'd hear in an 80s horror movie, synthy and ominous and all that. It's fun for feeling terrified, but less for drinking. But Dead Stars is, is bizarre enough that there might be some overlap. They use a bukla, I say. Huh, Jake asks. I grin a little. It was one of the first since. It was created in Berkeley in the 60s, around the same time the Moog was invented in New York. Oh yeah, Jake says, the Moog. I knew this would get him because Jake hates when I know things he doesn't. I am pretty sure I had a class with Buchla's son my freshman year at Berkeley, he says. And I'm pretty sure he's lying to overcom overcompensate for his ignorance, which I absolutely love. They're blowing up, I say. You say that about everyone, Jake says. He kicks a beige rock that reminds me of Kanye's forays into fashion. No, I don't. I peer back at the city below us, various clusters of nondescript buildings, the ocean sparkling in the distance. Our city is perfect, I say. Are you serious, Jake says. Don't you see all that nasty smog? It's pretty, I say. I gaze into the gooey band in between the buildings and the clouds, the way the colors get caught in it. Prue, Jake says, getting all in my face. It's killing you. <laughs> Yay. Sorry, it's anticlimactic. It's so weird when um, <laughs> I guess this isn't really hitting, but uh, <laughs> no one can talk. I'm the one with the microphone. I'm the captain. Um, <laughs> um, I love your book, which I know I have to say, but I also mean it. Um, and yeah, I guess we can just get right into questions. You don't have anything else to say, right? <laughs> I'm terrible at this. I'm a horrible MC. You're killing. Um, I feel like I should have something like astute to say, but I guess I'll just <laughs> rely on questions I formulated. Um, I do really love the way your book talks about um, genius. Prue is very like fixated on this idea um, of genius being like both a heightened state and like an inextricable thing to one's identity that they're born with. Um, I know you really appreciate artists who seem to be like very genius, like Lana and Kanye. <laughs> um, and Prue eventually, spoiler, stops taking her meds, but I think we just covered that actually um, <laughs> because she thinks they're inhibiting her genius. How did the idea of genius like fuel the writing of this book? Um, well, thank you for saying that Lana and Kanye are geniuses. I appreciate that. <laughs> I guess I should also say in the spirit of the book that um, Kanye is a Gemini and Lana is a Gemini cusp. Um, and Geminis are the genius provocateurs of the Zodiac. 
And I just realized this morning that the book is a Gemini because it's Gemini season and it just came out. So that's cool. I feel like that's very apt. Um, But that doesn't answer your question at all. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I know that Lana and and, uh, I know that all Geminis, but especially Kanye and Lana trigger people. Um, But I find them both to be super sympathetic. I like that they aren't PR machines. Um, they don't express themselves in the clearest or most palatable way, but I find that to be really endearing and unfortunately very relatable. <laughs> um, they're, the fact that they're raw, I think makes their art better. Um, and I feel like if we're gonna get to enjoy the genius of Jesus and ultraviolence, we have to let Lana and Kanye say some sort of crazy things without thinking sometimes because part of genius i mean not that i'm like an expert in it but um i think part of genius is wrestling with and exploring sort of taboo and problematic areas and maybe not the cleanest way um and the distinction between talent and genius is a big thread in the book and something i think about a lot but i think talent is safe and genius is dangerous and i obviously have more respect (laughs) you love a genius and i I know we're not supposed to get into um, like people's questions until the end of this, but I did notice someone in the chat asked a question that I was going to ask you um, right after this, just to clarify, what do you think of Geminis in general? I love Geminis. I'm terrified of them, but um, (laughs) I'm in awe, in awe and terrified, I'll say. And just in the room, what is your sign? Uh, Virgo. And I would be really surprised if anyone here doesn't already know that. Because <laughs> Everyone's here because you're a Virgo. Fuck up about my astrology. Um, I guess off of, it's a good segue off of Gemini, um, Gemini identities. Uh, Prue um, is both extremely cocky and also she's struggling with like this deep sort of self-hate throughout the book. Um, what resentments does Prue have against herself that you wanted to make clear in writing this book? Um, I think what Prue hates the most or where all of her self-hate comes from is uh, her privilege that she did absolutely nothing to deserve. And I think she sees like uh, hating herself and self-destructing as like a sort of weird way of evening the score. But of course it ends up almost killing her. And I think, uh, of course, self-loathing and grandiosity are two sides of the same coin at Kanye West. Um, (laughs) They're both very solipsistic impulses and Prue's sort of imprisoned by her own self-absorption, which makes it hard for her to connect with people on an emotional level. Um, And I don't think she's really aware of that until the end, but I like to think that she's getting there. Nice. Um, I, I don't know how to respond to questions um, and their answers. Nice. Sick. Um, well, so we just touched on this in what you read out loud. Is that a Tecate? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Tecate is also, this is a bit of a Tecate novel. It is. That's, there's a reason. I, well, I worried because. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think is so. it Okay. <laughs> What's it? What's the alternate pronunciation? I don't. To Kate. <laughs> I, don't I don't think it's that. I'm really <laughs> exposing myself. <laughs> I, um, I worried because it kind of clashes with the book. But no, I think it's complimentary. Yeah, and I figure I wanted to open it like in the middle. 
at a, yeah. at a surprising time. <laughs> um, well, in the excerpt you read, we touched on that Prue is obsessed with this celebrity called Wyatt Walcott, who's sort of like a fusion of like an Olsen twin and a Kardashian and like a Lana Del Rey. Um, and she's really uncomfortable in the book when people start recognizing her as the same sort of like iconic level, like when in person people are like, oh my God, are you that rapper? Um, what are your personal feelings about like contemporary fame and how did that contribute to this book? Um, well, first off, the Olsen Kardashian Lana fusion is dead on. So thank you for seeing. <laughs> um, that's literally exactly what I was thinking when writing that character. Um, but uh, I've always been sort of obsessed with fame. I'm not really sure why. Um, for Prue, I think she's obsessed with it because it's attention without intimacy. And she's terrified of intimacy, but like she wants love, you know, because she's a human. And uh, fame is a way to get, I guess, what feels like love, but in an empty way that feels kind of safe to her because it's emotionally dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think, and it's a problem that's like uh, intensified by the stimulants that she's on. Um, and I think regarding contemporary fame, I think Andy Warhol was right that, you know, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. And I think we're kind of already there. Um, I don't, I feel like we're all finding versions of fame online and it's pretty easy to find some kind of audience. There's so many different avenues for that. Um, and I feel like fame doesn't, being famous doesn't really mean that much anymore. To me, it's more interesting to be private and discreet in this day and age. Um, that's actually more novel. <laughs> um, and I think Prue is sort of realizing that at the end of the book and going to a place where she wants to be more discreet in public and have more meaningful meaningful relationships in real life and off of the sort of like there i feel like in this book everyone is kind of post everything like post fame post identity <laughs> post sexuality um and the characters that end up making music together in this book are obviously they're mainly white um and they're making music in this space that's rap it's historically black they seem to really think of themselves as being like post-identity but Prue at one point like identifies well at a lot of points like identifies like the irony of who she is as a white girl rapper um she calls herself like a Rachel Dolezal when she's taking like an Afro-Caribbean dance class in Echo Park taught by a white woman <laughs> um can you talk a little bit about how your book deals with and like is sort of a satire of the way these kinds of creatives um do or don't address their privilege and maybe think of diversity more as like an aesthetic concern than an actual one um I guess I think diversity as aesthetic is a great way of putting it. Um, the, well, the title itself, which is a portmanteau of blonde and vagabond sort of speaks to Prue's voyeurism into cultures that aren't her own in order to like feel something, I guess. Um, and I think Prue is drawn to crim both criminal defense and rap music as a reaction against her own like extreme whiteness. Um, and of course it's like misguided and white women are the absolute queens of misguided attempts at wokeness. <laughs> so I think that I was kind of poking fun at that. And at the end of the day, I think Prue just mostly is desperate to be anything that she isn't. 
So that's where a lot of these impulses come from. Um, speaking of, speaking of Prue, <laughs> <laughs> uh, flawless transition. Um, <laughs> you and Prue are like very connected. It seems just if you, if you know you and then you read the book, you know, she's blonde, you're blonde lawyer, you were a lawyer. Um, and then another like sort of connection between you and Prue is this idea of like succeeding creatively as an adult. Um, both of you being women in their thirties sort of popping off as she would say, um, <laughs> <laughs> how did that uh idea of like finally getting what you want uh contribute to writing this book oh god um that's a that's a big question I think um I don't know I feel like brain brains work in a way where like you want something really badly and then you get it and then you're like oh wait the void is still there and I think that's sort of what inspired this book. And I think that's sort of like the struggle of late capitalism. Um, like the novels of the past are all like, you know, someone's like overcoming this like massive struggle. There's like, the stakes are like death. Um, but in this, I think like a more contemporary struggle is just like having all your basic needs met and getting what you want and still being miserable and not really knowing why. So I guess I wanted to explore that. Yes. Really <laughs> fun topic. <laughs> um, recently you wrote a piece um, where you kind of talked about the differences um, between you and the character Prue and how those things blur. And you mentioned in it that you wrote a couple other novels that didn't sell before you wrote this one. Um, and as a writer who barely writes, I'm very curious, um, what was that like experience of rejection like for you? And what were, what were those other novels? Um, and how did you end up getting to this one? Um, rejection is like my main bitch. I, I, <laughs> So I can't even tell you how much rejection I've had, professional rejection I've experienced. I'm like numb, almost numb to it at this point. But I do think of it as like an inevitable part of like reaching goals, unless you're some sort of savant. I mean, I don't know what that would be like, but one reason I actually like Caroline, <laughs> off topic, but one reason I like Caroline Calloway is because she applied, <laughs> she applied to Oxford like 17 times or so, or like yeah, we had to bring her in. <laughs> yeah, I had to circle back to Caroline. Um, but I like, yeah, anyways, rege I, <laughs> rejection, I know her. Um, but yeah, the, first, <laughs> the first book I wrote, I've written so many novel drafts. Um, I'm sort of manic like that. But um, the first one was about law school. The first complete one was about law school and it made like absolutely no sense. <laughs> I sent it to like a thousand agents and not a single one responded. Love that. Um, <laughs> I um, became obsessed with Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn um, or Gillian. I'm not sure how to say it. Who's um, to say? No one can tell. To Kate Gillian. I don't know. <laughs> but after that, I tried to write a thriller that no, also nobody was interested in. And then I tried to write um, a book. Actually, you mentioned Wyatt Walcott earlier. Um, I wrote a, an entire book from her perspective and that was really fun. She was like a real, it was sort of based on, uh, like the Kardashian, she was sort of based on a Kardashian, I guess, um, trying to escape her reality TV family. And I got my agent through that book. And I think the 
early drafts were just sort of teaching me how to write a novel maybe. And also I think in a lot of them, I was trying to be someone I wasn't like all of the other ones had like murder in them and like a thriller thriller element. And I just like, I don't think that's me really. I don't even really read thrillers. I don't watch them. I mean, most, all of my favorite art is just like, you know, nothing really happens. So uh, I think this one was like the most real to me, but also writing all those other novels was good practice, I guess. This is a bit of a like question off of that, but did you ever have like reservations about making Prue um, sort of so similar to you in certain like surface level ways with like the law and being blonde? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> I think she's definitely the character that I've written that's most like me by far. Um, but part of it was just like, this is going to sound bad, but I think some of it might have been just been laziness. I was just like, you know, like, I know what it's like to be a lawyer who works at home, you know? I, I didn't have to, yeah. like, do so much work to to do that. So I don't know. But I, I wasn't nervous about it, no. <laughs> I personally love laziness and my own <laughs> perspective. <laughs> um, Gotta have both. Yeah, you gotta have both. (laughs) And I have a lot of one. Um, You and I have had a lot of conversations about uh, writing in general as a process. And I know that you're more like exploratory. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about the writing process for this book? Um, Whether or not you outlined what sticking to that or not sticking to that was like? Um, I do not outline, like even in law school, (laughs) fuck outlines, even in law school, (laughs) our outlines are like the entire point. I didn't even outline then. You heard it here first. Yeah. I don't outline. I don't plan. I normally just start with like a character and I start writing and I see where she takes me and it sounds cheesy, but I just sort of like listen to, to where she wants to go. And I say she because I don't write men. Um, <laughs> but, who has time? You know? Not in this economy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it takes me like writing a lot of a lot of words to figure out what the fuck I'm trying to say. Um, which yeah, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows. Uh, but yeah, the first draft is like sort of a manic episode, and then uh, the plotting happens sort of in the drafting process. And then I've, I don't really know what the novel is until the drafting. Um, but I don't, that's obviously not the only way to do it, and I'm not even sure I would recommend it. I don't think it's that, uh, I don't think it's the most efficient. <laughs> but. Um, I have a couple softball sort of questions, and if everyone um, wants to put their questions into the chat. I will, uh, I have all the power and I will choose questions from there to ask after this. Um, so softball things, um, guys start putting those questions in the chat. Music is a big part of the novel. What would Prue be listening to during this quarantine? I think she'd be 24 seven Sylvia Plathing. (laughs) Lana on at all times, like she would be thriving in isolation and be making really what, what she would think of as good art. (laughs) Love that. Um, Jax is, we didn't really like cover him much, but he's kind of like the antagonist of this book. He's sort of this like creative 
um, genius type in the way that Prue is, and they meet up and start making music together in the novel, but they're also, they're both very manic. Um, what would Jax be doing during quarantine? Uh, cocaine, like lots <laughs> of pounds of it. Love um, that for him. All the time. Yeah, lots of Love. Um, people will discover what this means, but I want you to fuck, marry, kill the men of your novel, Jax, Bo, and Thomas, who we just met. Oh, that was Jake. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Why did I say, oh, Jake Thomas, right? Perez. Jake Perez. Why did I put Thomas? There is a Thomas, but I was going to, I was wondering. Who, who is Thomas and why? Okay. So let's do Jax, Bo, and Jake Perez. Okay. I was wondering why you included Thomas. Like two sentences. I just really latched on. Okay. Um, I think Mary, Jake, fuck Jax, kill Bo. What would you do? When I picture Bo, I picture (laughs) (laughs) G-Eazy. I think I would kill Jax because I've read the book and I like know, I know what he's like. And then I would probably fuck Bo and then I would marry Jake. Okay. That's sort of. We both would marry Jake. Yeah. Marrying, you want to marry a gay man. Yeah. Um, Fuck, marry, kill the women. Prue, Ellie, and Nina, who are all who they're supposed to be, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would fuck Nina, marry Ellie, kill Prue. Okay. We are now taking it to the chat. Um, so, oh, this is a fun one. Um, if you could have any of your idols, Gemini's included, everybody, alive or dead even, read your book, who would you choose? Oh God, that is a good question. I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind is Kendall Jenner, just because, you know, she is this alt literary critic. She's this alt literary tastemaker at this point. So I'm dying to get Kendall, not not even necessarily to read it, but just be photographed with it, like on a yacht. I think it can happen. I think you're like very close to making that happen. So, yeah. If anyone has a, a Kendall connection in core, let us know. Um, <laughs> I think we already touched on this, but just more specifically, to what extent is this book autobiographical? To what extent are you and Prue sort of uh, one of the same? Uh, I think we're similar, like you said, in a lot of surface ways. Um, like both lawyers, the same age, live in the same neighborhood. Um, both Virgos. Uh, I think Prue is hotter than me. I was definitely thinking <laughs> someone prettier than me. Um, and I think she's like a little bit more, I think she's messier and like, um, it's just like an, a very extreme version of me. And I, yeah, like it's a very extreme version of a part of me that I don't necessarily like that much. Um, what does your average day of writing look like? Are you a morning writer, late night? Do you need certain snacks? Do you have a word count goal, etc.? Uh, I don't do word count goals at all. Um, I'm a morning writer for sure, but also a night wow. writer, an afternoon writer. There's, I, I don't like, the, I actually hate the afternoons. Fuck the afternoons. Um, <laughs> Like just in general, not just for writing. Um, but 
yeah, I'm not super rigid. I like writing, so I don't feel like I have to really like push myself that hard to do it. I just sort of like wake up and like I ha have a lot of ideas in my brain that I have to write down. <laughs> Otherwise I like go crazy. That's not the genius. <laughs> um, okay, this is an astrology question. Do you feel that your Mars and Capricorn helps you to write novels? And does this person as a Virgo Mars have any hope as a writer? Uh, yes. Wait, okay. Becca is at asking this question, I know. <laughs> um, but I mean, if there's anything better than Mars and Capricorn, it's Mars and Virgo. So got it. Yes. Um, and did it help me? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, would I be here without it? Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I mean, Mars is like your, well, Mars is sort of like how you have sex and also how you fight, but, um, Capricorns are sort of like ruthless and cold, but it, I think Mars is also about like drive and Capricorns have a lot of drive and so do Virgos or Virgos are workaholics. So if you have a Mars and Virgo, like you got this. <laughs> I, think I have like none of this in my chart. I'm all, what am I? I'm all Sagittarius. Thanks. I have the Caroline Calloway chart. I have the unfortunate <laughs> pleasure of having the Caroline Calloway chart. I'm going to start an OnlyFans. Um, who is Prue's real housewife, alter ego? And what real housewife would she be best friends with? Oh, um, the first that comes to mind is Sonia Morgan, I think. Queen. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> Sonia Morgan is her alter ego and who she would be friends with um, because, yeah, Sonia's like messy and fun and um, unhinged and I think a genius and very hot. <laughs> is I think she would like Leah, the new housewife on New York. Love Leah. Yeah, Leah's cool. Leah's a Virgo. Um, I think, yeah, I think... Leah and I think she would maybe like Carol. I don't know. Maybe not. Mm. So Carol. <laughs> a former. Yeah. They all count. Um, setting aside book sales, what would be the marker of success for your book? Oh God, I have no idea. I don't like to think about success, but I think if like somebody who wasn't related to me, or was it my friend already and had some sort of emotional investment? Basically, if a stranger read the book and it and they liked it and it made them feel better, I think that's a success. <laughs> Do you feel like that's like your general success marker as a writer at large? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just wanting, I think just making like, yeah, I want people to enjoy reading. I want reading to be fun for them and them to feel like comforted and laugh and feel less alone. But then I keep hearing reviews calling this a feel bad read. So <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> I who did that. Who that said that? Fun. I forget. <laughs> um, but I was fine with it, but I was just like, I don't want people to feel bad when they're reading it. I want people to feel good. I think that's how I, that's what I want success to be. To I felt good, but feeling bad is sort of my default setting so who's to say and feeling um, bad and feeling good are very yeah two sides of the same coin <laughs> um what fulfills you from writing creatively that you didn't get from practicing law and what fulfilled you about practicing law that you don't get from writing creatively oh 
fun. Um, this is, oh God, this is going to sound so fucking nerdy, but I do kind of miss like the intellectual like rigor of law a little bit, just like pushing my brain in that way. And just like, I don't know. I like logic. I don't respect logic, but I like <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I like the sort of the logic puzzle of law. Um, and, but uh, writing, uh, what I wasn't getting from laws, it's just not really that creative. And I, what I hated the most about it was just like the formatting requirements and like the citing. The um, margins sound really stressful. The margins, the citations, uh, all the rule, the like just nitty gritty rules. I don't miss that at all. I like, yeah, I, I just, I really just didn't like the, I have no respect for rules. So that was, <laughs> that was the main issue. Um, feel free to, this is kind of personal, but so answer or don't, but what is your biggest trigger and what is Prue's <laughs> biggest trigger? I know who asked this. Um, <laughs> literally what doesn't trigger me? I don't know. Uh, Same. Prue's, I, okay. So for Prue, I think it would be someone calling her like unoriginal. Uh, I think Prue's like very attached to being like, so I think if someone called Prue like basic or something, I think that anything in that world would be hard for her. Um, for me, I'm just like very easily triggered all the time and there's not a lot of reason, rhyme or reason to it. So I'm not really sure. I think it just depends on like where, um, like what substances are in my system and like where they're sitting. <laughs> <laughs> um we're getting sort of to the end of questions in the chat. So if anyone has, I know we still have uh, a decent amount of time left. So if anyone has other questions, please feel free to chat them. Or if I missed your question, um, go ahead. Um, <laughs> here's one that you can answer or not answer because I feel like you have uh, family members here. Which drugs have been particularly inspirational for your creative process? Oh, you can take the fifth if you want. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I, uh, I like the drugs that um, Prue was doing in the book. I was mostly doing them while writing the book. Um, so they did help, I guess. But I don't, I write, I mostly write sober now. So I don't know. I, I've had moments where I think that weed is really important to the creative process but i don't really feel that way anymore and i had periods where i thought adderall was really important but i don't really feel that way anymore i think the parts that i where i was most messed up when i was writing this book like literally made no sense and and that actually required a lot of editing so i actually think sobriety is probably the best caffeine caffeine is my sobriety favorite. and caffeine are the best drugs of like being efficient and productive but i do believe in drugs is as a way to like shake up your brain occasionally yeah just Think maybe not while physically writing yes not always so do the drugs before yeah do then. the drugs over the weekend and then yeah yeah. Use your open little mind to hit those keys. Um, yeah, keys. What was the best part about writing this book? And what was the worst part about writing this book? 
Um, it was really fun to write. I don't think there was any bad part. I loved writing it and like editing it was so fun, like going back into that world. I, I didn't, there's, I think the only hard part was just like when I was waiting to figure out if it would sell, that was, that was hard, but, um, it was mostly really fun. I mean, I also like had way too many characters in the beginning as I always do. So I had to kill off a lot of people and like combine fun. characters. Um, but that wasn't really, that actually was pretty easy to do because some of these characters are sort of one dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you feel about like marketing this book during the time of coronavirus? Uh, I'm not a marketing. I do not have a <laughs> mind at all. So I don't, that's the same either way for unnamed press to, um, they can answer that question. Shout out to unnamed press. <laughs> um, uh, did you write Prue as a white rapper from the point of view of finding that embarrassing or thinking people should find that embarrassing or no? What is your general uh, take oh, on white rappers, I guess? I definitely think it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely supposed to be embarrassing. Uh, I did have a phase where I was, a, I did have a rapper phase and unfortunately I wasn't sufficiently embarrassed at the it time. It seems like it's not well documented. So that's good. Oh, well, I'm glad it seems that way. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's definitely supposed to be embarrassing. And do I respect, I mean, I like Krayshawn, like I, Gucci Gucci was a really important song to me. Love. I like, you know, the Marshall Mathers EP. Um, uh, I actually even sort of like some Iggy Azalea. I was an early Iggy Azalea fan, unfortunately. That's sort of one of, when I think of what could get me canceled, that's on the list is I, I was like. I was there when she was working with Diplo. I was like, this is going to be big. <laughs> it was. I mean, I, I think that she's, it was a better era. It was a better era. Um, those actually, <laughs> it was really good. She was great. Tyler, who I think is on here and I went to it and it was really fun. Yeah. Um, we hope you're well amethyst. <laughs> That's her real name. Um, yeah. Yossi said Iggy's first song, Pussy, is really good. And that's it true. was. That's true. Um, are you working on a next book? And if so, can you tell us anything about it? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, well, I'm working on a memoir that comes out in uh, the spring. And then yeah. I'm working on another novel that I don't think I'm ready to talk about. Which I accidentally read. <laughs> read. I was like, I loved. I was wondering because I was on the Google Doc and it was like, someone else was on it and I was like I was like I don't think I sent this to anyone um, it was to clear this up I'm not uh intrusive it was on a thread of our writing group and she had shared like early stages of it like only a little bit and then um I, it was in the same thread and then she had written the entire book in that document and then later when I joined the group I thought it was what I was supposed to read so no one cares. Um, are you more motivated by entertaining, moving, provoking thought in people or just by like your own self-expression? So I guess that's kind of a question of like, do you write for other people or do you write just because like you? you I don't it? care about my own self. I mean, I unfortunately care about my own self-expression, but that is embarrassing and that's like not a good motivation. I think uh, like 
entertainment is yeah what I care the most about is just sort of like getting people out of their own heads for a little bit and like making life feel less bleak or making them feel less alone because that's what books have done for me and that's yeah that's why I like reading I feel like yeah art and like books and music and movies are like the only thing that like make life sort of not depressing so true yeah <laughs> antidepressants yeah. um can and you talk a little bit about the editing process of this book like how long did it take for you to go from first draft to final what was your relationship like with the editor how did you resolve major issues um sorry i'm wearing fake lashes for the first time in my life That's rough really weird um i uh, the editing process. I wrote the book really quick, like in like a few months. And then I had a bunch of my friends who I respect read it and they gave me feedback. And then I, um, and then I sent it to my agent and then she gave me feedback and then we sold it. And then, and by the time we sold it, it that there weren't major edits that needed to be made. It was mostly um there was like a few things like in the first there's like this article that um that's written about Prue and the band in the book and in the first uh in the first draft I had Prue like never read the article and then um but my editor was like she needs to read the article <laughs> and so like stuff like that I had to add in but there weren't any like major structural edits um lots of drafts before you really sold lesson learned um you're publishing a memoir next year how different was it to write a memoir and which book is true to who you are um <laughs> i think wait okay what was the question again how how different was it to like write a memoir and then i think the latter part of the question is a little like damn <laughs> but which book is truer to who you are I think Vagabond's probably truer at this point but um writing a memoir is really emotional um it's tough but it's fun I mean I love to talk about myself so it's yeah I don't know they're different <laughs> when you imagine someone reading this book in a restaurant or bar in LA when we can do that what bar or restaurant would it be? Uh, like probably just like a dive bar. Jumbos, jumbos, I think. <laughs> Can like you a, read? Is there enough light to read at jumbos? Probably not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening to the audiobook. <laughs> yeah. They're, but they're just like, it's a, more of a prop, you know? Yeah. It would be very so audible. Read at jumbos. <laughs> um, is your writing process uh, solitary or do you like to bounce ideas and drafts on other people? I mean, I guess we already talked about this. You said you um, finished a draft and then sent it to your friends who you trusted like immediately, right? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, I don't, I don't know any writers who are like writing without other people's feedback. I think it's like pretty necessary. Um, but I'm... I'm like a pretty solitary person, so I don't mind like doing a lot of, you know, writing the first draft completely on my own. Um, what do you think is Prue's ultimate 
fate in life. <laughs> How does she die? <laughs> uh, probably she probably gets hit by a car for like walking into the street without looking. No, I don't know. Um, I don't know what her fate in life is. I know that by the end of this book, she's definitely in a better place. <laughs> um, but I don't really know what her, I think, I think hopefully she starts making music on her own, um, and realizes that she doesn't need to be part of this like toxic crew to do it. Um, yeah. Um, so last questions here, really. Um, we're getting near the witching hour of five o'clock. Um, Los Angeles as a city is an important part of the book. What does the city symbolize to you and what does it symbolize to these characters? Ooh. Um, to me, oh God, okay. One thing that I love that I'm really interested in about LA and writers, some writers I really love like Freddie Sinellis and Joan Diddy and I think capture it is like, the darkness, because um, I'm from the East Coast and so are you. And I feel like California is sort of pitched to us as like this like paradise dreamland and it's just like happiness and sunshine. And, um, but it's actually pretty dark in Los Angeles in particular because it's, you know, a desert. Uh, people are not supposed to live here. And then there's the constant like, uh, the, there's the lingering threat of like earthquakes and, and mental uh, illness. Yeah, the mental, <laughs> the mud, yeah, the mental breakdowns, the the breakdown in the geography. Um, so to me, it's like just a, it's a very precarious and apocalyptic place. Like even which really is like uh, I think in COVID you see it especially because like the city doesn't really look that different um, in this global pandemic because LA always looks sort of apocalyptic and the streets are always a little bit empty and um, and I think also I wanted to capture the fact that it's a very, uh, a lot of people are fronting <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people just have these relationships that are completely transactional and are not based on any sort of real emotional connection. I think I've found the perfect final question. Um, who do you want to play Prue in the film adaptation and what streaming service will have the rights? Okay, I want Dasha from Red Scare to play. <laughs> um, manifesting, manifesting. I've D we've DM'd about it, um, but oh, you heard your first. <laughs> um, she's my dream crew. Um, and what streaming service? Oh my god, I want to say Amazon Prime. I think. Wow, <laughs> Jeff Bezos hit my line. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for answering everyone's questions and all of my questions and, um, yeah. sad we couldn't be at the real skylight, but thank you to everyone who came. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Um, Everybody buy the fucking book. Yeah. Uh, I'm including again, links to our events calendar where you can find the podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter at skylightbooks.com. Um, but yeah, everyone go buy Vagabond. <laughs> buy the book wherever books are sold. <laughs> Have a nice afternoon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. 
Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.